Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to today's show. My name is Mark Sirianis. This is Taekwondo Life Magazine, and we are a member of the Believe Network. Do you believe? Welcome to today's program. This is part one of a two-part episode. It is uh, we today we're going to be talking about, and in our next episode, we're going to be talking about some suggestions, some rules for improving your local Taekwondo tournament. Okay, we're not necessarily talking about a big sanctioned uh, USAT event or uh, WT event. We're not necessarily talking about you know nationals or Grand Prix. What I'm talking about is something that's very very popular right now. Uh, we've made the comeback after COVID to regional tournaments, to local tournaments, to what we call family tournaments. And what we're going to be talking about now is some tips for improving your local Taekwondo tournament. Before we get started with that, it is the time of year that college basketball, we're in March, takes center stage with a tournament finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. I want you to head over to our website or the website at betonline.ag on your mobile device or your computer, and you're going to get to receive that 50% welcome deposit bonus with your promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting, famous Vegas casino games, and BetOnline is where the gaming starts. So I've been doing a lot of, we've I've talked in the past on this program that I am a certified referee, and I've been going to a lot of sanctioned events, a lot of sponsored events, and a lot of unsanctioned local events. And there's the heart of our Taekwondo community really is in the local tournaments. But I do have an opportunity to speak to a lot of families and parents and competitors and coaches. And I think that there are some things that I've gathered over the all of my years of doing this, some tips, some rules for improving the local Taekwondo tournament. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to do 10 through six. And then um, I'm going to uh, in our next show, we'll do five through one. So here are the first set of your tips for improving your local Taekwondo tournament. Number 10, offer real food. Even for local tournaments, people get, you know, they travel a large distance. Sometimes they travel interstate uh, to attend them. They're going to spend hours there. Sometimes you come at breakfast and when you leave, it's almost dinner time. You get hungry, you get thirsty. Uh, and I understand that many of these events are many times in, in off-site venues. Obviously, they're not in dojangs. They're, they're not big enough to handle them. But that we spend hours there. They get thirsty. They get hungry. And many of the tournaments that I've been to, they have a little table, a makeshift table. They sell some chips. They sell some candy. They sell some water. Just doesn't cut it for spectators, for athletes. I do know that people you know, bring stuff, but people do expect that there are some concessions. And keep in mind that one of the things that we talk about for local tournaments is satisfaction, satisfaction of the family, um, satisfaction of the family, satisfaction of the coaches, and food is associated with that. 
it's a long amount of time. Coffee is a big deal. I know that the tournaments that I've been at, people look for, especially in the morning, they look for coffee. So if you can coordinate it with the venue, if you can do it yourself, or you can hire an outside contractor, maybe that contractor can pay you rent or part of the concession, As especially if you do a charitable event. It really will do a lot to improve uh, people's sense of a good time. Number two is pick an adequate venue. I've been talking to a lot of organizers, and I know that especially with the economy being what it is and with COVID being what it is, it's very hard to find a, a, a good venue. It doesn't have to be a sports venue. I've gone to some great events that were churches and schools, but it has to be an adequate venue. It has to be pleasant and effective for the people. Uh, it means it needs to be adequate in size. Parking is probably really important in adequate parking. It should have adequate bathroom facilities. That's huge. I mean, you know, good, clean bathroom facilities and changing space for the athletes. It should have sufficient space for your rings, for your spectators. That's a huge one. I've been at a ton of events where there's a lot of ring space, but there's no space. There's literally no space for uh, uh, spectators, which is very difficult. People standing around. A good holding area for athletes when you've been sitting for so long, they need a place to um, wind up. A place for your officials and your VIPs. You want to be able to invite masters and grandmasters and people to come, but they need to have some space. And of course, vendors. Vendors is always a great way. If you can bring a, some sort of a vendor there to showcase, it's an opportunity. Maybe you can make some money on there, but it, it offers an experience for your participants. Whether sometimes they sell boards, they sell food, they sell t-shirts, they sell kicking pads, whatever the case is. It's a good opportunity to make your experience more of uh, an enjoyable experience for people. Number eight, uh, this is a really, really big one. And this is very frustrating to people that go to tournaments, particularly people that are working the tournaments. Prepare the preliminary division brackets ahead of the tournament. I've been to a ton of tournaments. It's nothing more frustrating than you get there on the uh, day of the tournament. They start late and the organizers have not prepared the preliminary brackets, possibly because they allow late registration till way too late to do it, maybe just because they don't have the staff to do it. But I'll be at an event, I'll be at a ring, and an organizer will bring the entire division to the ring and then give you the sheets. And then somebody at the ring has to organize them and bracket them and, and put them. That's really wasteful. It's confusing. It's really unfair to the people that are working the tournament, the volunteers and the officials, because it's not really their skill set. And it's not really fair to the opponents. Uh, Doing a little bit of work ahead of time, starting the day where you come to the ring and the brackets are already done, uh, especially with an inexperienced volunteer staff, will really do a lot to start their day out right, get the, the event going right, and to make sure that you have a successful event. The one thing we learned from these tournaments is that when you start late, you finish late and it doesn't get better. You don't make up the time. Starting late is doesn't mean that, hey, we're going to ultimately we'll, we'll make up that time somewhere. It doesn't happen. You just get later and later. So and people sitting around is 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 a dead time and dead space and leads to great dissatisfaction. Again, we want people to have a good experience at these tournaments. Why? So that next year when the so and so family Taekwondo tournament occurs, people come back. The last thing you want people to do is say, this is my last time coming to this event. That's really not a formula for growth. 
and happiness, and of course, for our reputation. Uh, one of the real killers in time that I noticed in, in tournaments is not sparring in Pumse, it's board breaking. It's also one of the greatest areas where people have confusion. And one of the reasons why is I think people do it in a very loosey-goosey kind of a way. You should have board breaking be in a much more structured event. USAT has developed, and I'm sure nationally and internationally, there are rules for board breaking. Um, and they need to be clear, they need to be well published, and they need to be well organized. You should be providing for your people a list of how many boards are allowed. Sometimes you have people break two boards while other people are breaking 15 boards. It should be standardized, a uh, standardized amount. Number two, how many stations are allowed? Are you going to have 20 holders? Or are you going to have one holder doing 20 positions? What's allowed and what's not? What boards may be used? Are we using children's boards? Are we using one-inch boards? Can you bring your boards? Should the boards come from the vendor? All of that should be clearly identified. What techniques are permissible? What techniques are prohibited? What techniques? Uh, breaking the board with my head, is that permissible? Breaking the board on a, a, a using a, a spacers, is that permissible? Using a, a, a power break supporter, is that permissible? Cinder blocks, all of that should be um, there. And the timing, how much time do they have to set up? How much time do they have to clean up? And how much time do they have for the routine? This is really, really important. It should also be disseminated to people that they should understand the time of board breaking and that they should have their holders accessible. I can't tell you how many tournaments I, I get there and I'm at that point and I have a young five, six, seven, eight-year-old kid standing around looking totally stressed, totally nervous because they don't have anyone to hold their boards. It's not fair to them. It creates stress for them. It creates a bottleneck for all the other competitors. This is one of those areas where if you did nothing else, but you tightened up this area of your local tournament, the satisfaction and the timing on it would go so much smoother, in my opinion. Number six, which is the last one that we're going to talk about in this segment, strictly enforce the no spectators or students on the floor when not competing rule. Again, part of this goes back to number nine. All of these are interconnected, picking the right venue. Chaos on the ring floor doesn't help anybody. It's very distracting. It's very confusing. Only people that are relevant to the particular event that's going on should be in the ring area. That means no extra coaches. I see sometimes a person has a designated coach and there's other people from the school standing around giving direction, yelling, uh, questioning referees' calls. That doesn't help. It's confusing. Parents. Parents are, are you a coach? Are you a spectator? What's your role? Of course, as parents, we always want to be involved, but this is not how a tournament runs and runs effectively. Those people should be in the spectator area, and this should be strictly enforced. Extra bodies creates confusion. The same thing with students who are not competing. They're competing students, but they're not competing at that time. Those students should not be in the competition area when they're not competing. They can be in holding. They can be wherever. If they have to come for board breaking, that's a different issue. But the fact of the matter is, is that creating this level of confusion in the competition area does no one any good. So, again, to review, the bottom five or 10 through, through nine is... Pick an adequate venue, pair the preliminary division brackets ahead of time, have better board breaking rules, and strictly enforce the no spectator or students on the floor. 
uh, when not competing. Those are my 10 through six. Next time on this program, we're going to five. Our number one thing that they can do to give you a little hint. Uh, number five is require schools to have the required amount of coaches per number of competitors. We'll talk very seriously about that. I'd love to hear your opinion on what things or what experiences you've had at tournaments uh, to help us to improve. The goal of the show is an educational one. I'm not looking to complain. I'm not looking to call anyone out. I'm looking to help and educate us. And we'll have a written article on this with the episode. So my name is Mark Sirianis. This episode is presented by Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Be sure to like and subscribe us everywhere that podcasts are found. I look forward to seeing you on the mat, and I look forward to next week. Next week, I will be jumping to Dallas for the Texas State Championship. I'm really looking forward to that, and we'll hopefully post some videos on that on our website. Thank you. Mark Sorianis signing. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.